Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now, it's time for... Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hello and welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jesse Gaskell and that's Mike Sweeney. Thank you. He hasn't said anything yet. I oh, know. there we go. I, I was tempted to say, hey, maybe let's see how long I can go. Well, it turns out. Maybe I could just do the whole thing. Exactly. I bet you thought that. I would love it. Believe me, no one would complain. See, people wouldn't even notice. No, no one would notice. <laughs> so how are you? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm great. I uh, had a nice long weekend. Yeah. Memorial Day weekend. You had a nice long weekend. I, I did have a nice weekend. Good. I went to the Central Coast. Oh, of California, we should specify. Of California, yes. Not Rhode Island. Right. Although, you know, I think all Central Coasts probably have a similar vibe. Probably. Because it's neither the North nor the, no. nor the South. They're like the middle child of the state. Exactly. That's what I like about it. They're kind of resentful of the North and South shores. Yeah, always having to mediate between the two. Right. And the, the everyone else likes the North and South shores better. Yeah. What's going on with you? Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> oh, well, around an hour and a half ago, I went outside. I was going to go for a walk. I was going up the street and um, par for the course, there was a turtle crossing the street. <gasps> what? Yeah, large turtle. So, um, Do you think it escaped from somewhere? It had to have escaped from somewhere. Yeah. Because they don't just exist in the wild. That, not, a, not, in, not in Los Feliz, California. <laughs> and it was a pond turtle. So Wow. Yeah, and there are no... I mean, sometimes if it's really hot, the asphalt looks like a pond, but... Well, that turtle sounds like it was in trouble. I know. So I uh, got out of the street. I rang my neighbor's door because he used to raise tortoises, rare tortoises, oh. and sell them. Well, I think we've cracked the case. Right. So I, I was just like, I can't just put this turtle on the side of the road so i rang his door and i said and he came right out and i said this turtle and he knew exactly what he goes oh that's a red-eared slider turtle so the, the guy knows his turtles yeah oh yeah but it wasn't his it wasn't his though no but then he said the neighbor across the street he goes he has two koi ponds he has turtles ah yeah but they're not home so i have this turtle well that must be how it escaped i brought it home with me <gasps> Oh, so you have it. I have it. Well, I Where is it right I now? I kind of I it's right here in a oh. I put it in a, a giant bucket. Wait, move the computer. I want to see. Do you want to see it? <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> he's so cute. He's big. He's he's a fully grown. Yeah. My neighbor looked at me. He goes, oh, "I uh I could tell by the markings it's an adult male, full size." Oh. So. Wow. But that's not all he could tell by. Oh, he was talking about me. 
Oh, oh, oh. He goes, actually, you're shrinking. It's, that's a good looking, it's a really good looking turtle. He's got nice markings. He's got very nice mark. But it's crazy there are two turtle aficionados living across the street from each other. Yeah, I wonder if they are rivals. This is the same turtle you buy in pet stores. The little, yeah. I just learned that. I didn't know that. And they just get really big they get and that old. Big. And then they try to cross the street and end it. Oh, yeah. I know. I wonder where he thought he was going. I have no idea. He probably has a pretty good life there in the koi pond. I think he's really enjoying the big bucket I put him in. <laughs> he was ready to downsize. Yeah. I mean, are you going to... Are you going to give him back or do you think you might keep this There was guy? an awkward thing with, with the neighbor who was the, the real turtle expert. Like I was holding the turtle and I, I part of me was like, so uh, maybe you could uh, take the turtle since you've raised turtles and yeah, yeah. you bring it to the neighbor. But he was like... Uh, Finders keepers. Yeah. Now I said, I guess I'll take the turtle. He goes, yeah. Why don't you take the turtle? <laughs> yeah. So... He's sick of looking after all the neighborhood turtles. You know what he told me? Until their owners come right, home. Right, right. What? I know. He's the go-to guy. He said, he goes, oh, the neighbors, his turtles have been attacked by raccoons. <gasps> oh, no. Raccoons. Raccoons, which I know you've had problems I, with. They are my nemeses as well. I think they're a blight on society. Raccoons are awful. I, I see no redeeming qualities in raccoons. Um, Yes, they, they're little, they've got little hands. I mean, they're kind of cute. No, the better to kill you with. Well. They're too dangerous. They shouldn't have, we shouldn't be allowed to breed raccoons or. We should get them off the continent. Yeah. Well, I think you're, I agree with you because he told, this is horrific, but he said, I, I said, raccoons attack turtles. He goes, yeah. he goes, yeah, actually he goes, a lot of them just eat the legs off the turtle <gasps> and leave them alive. Oh, no. Yes. Oh my yeah, God. Oh, they're so <laughs> awful. So maybe you're right about raccoons being assholes. They are. They have no moral compass. No, that's I, like you'd at least leave two legs. Yeah, yeah. So that it could still move around. They eat all the legs off. Uh, and that's what he oh was saying. God. I didn't oh go I should Google it instead of repeating. No, you shouldn't Google it. We, it could be a <laughs> raccoon or urban legend. I don't know. Uh, well, we should get right into it, I guess. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, I used the word right, which was incorrect. Let's get into it. Let's get into it, because we have a great show today, unlike other days. <laughs> no, we have a great show, and we're going to talk to not one or two, but three writers from Conan. Yes. And uh, we're going to specifically zero in on, you know, we've been talk doing an overview of Conan's career on Late Night, and lately we've been talking about Conan's years on TBS. And a big part of that were the uh, the years Conan spent at Comic-Con every July. Yeah. I mean, starting in 20... 2015. 15. Yeah. He, we went every year up until the pandemic. Until the pandemic. Shut things down. Shut it down. So we decided to ask the resident nerds, Levi McDougal, Dan Cronin, and Andre Dubouchet, so we, we will talk about the term nerd and whether or not that applies. Yes, yes. We're reclaiming the word nerd. Yeah. I'm going to say. I don't think of those guys as... I, I feel like they have a nerd gland that they can access when they want to. That's right. That they can express. Right, exactly. This gland e when they need to. Exactly. And, and you know, it, it's really valuable. Let's just say it's very valuable when we're gearing up for Comic-Con. Oh, God, yes. Because yes. I would be just lost... 
in like a sea of, well, wait, so why is it important that Captain America is a part of it? You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't get why this matters. No, every year when we had to write stuff for Comic-Con, people just kind of went away. Um, Our our writer's coordinator would send around research. Yeah. Kind of just on what the big movies would be, et cetera. But some people already, they could have written all the research, some of the writers. And then other ones are like, yeah, I'll take that research. Yeah. Quickly, please. Where I was like, I've seen Star Wars. Right. Not recently. Right. I think I remember that. Well, you were a big part of Comic-Con. Don't be modest. Yeah, no, I found my I found my niche. Yeah, yeah. Found my way in. Every, you know what? Everyone, everyone, I'd say all the writers, everyone contributed. Yeah, they had to. Yes, you had to. We we always wrote more than we could use down there. Right. Because it was such a big operation. You kind of wanted to go down there with options as the week proceeded. And we're going to get into all of that with Levi, Dan, and Andre. Can we first just have you each say hello so that everyone can understand what your voice sounds like? Yes. Hello, this is this is Dan Cronin. How are you guys? Good. Dan, use your real voice. Come on. Oh, hi there. <laughs> hey, That's it's, great to, it's great to be on the mic and back at it in the saddle. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, everybody. Dan Cronin. It's good to be here. Hi, Jess. Hi, Mike. Hey, hey Dan. Dan. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. Who's next? Uh, I'll go next. My name's Andre Duboucher. And this is not my real voice. I'm projecting. <laughs> Hi. Hi. It's your morning voice. Everyone has to do a little intro bit. Yeah. And this is uh, Levi McDougall. I've been up for three hours. I have no excuse for not having a bit, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> your bit is that you're Canadian. Yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. thing. You were born with a bit. Man, talk <laughs> about privilege. Well, we wanted to have you guys on. We are getting into the Comic-Con years of the TBS show, mm. and you three were very integral to all of those shows, and I think also mm-hmm. to the social vibe that we had Hell down yes. in San Diego. We like to party. Absolutely. Yes. I tried to um, make scootering a, <laughs> right? a national right. national <laughs> mandatory pastime for wga writers <laughs> were you the first one to come back and go oh my god there's scooters everywhere we gotta do it <laughs> i instantly became addicted the year scooters were out there and people thought yeah. they were dangerous and i was like i was too scared to try one the yeah. fun outweighs the danger by far and i started taking scooters to every dinner Every rehearsal, <laughs> late at night. At one point, uh, the, me and Ra- Rachel Yoder, a lovely uh, post producer on the show, I was just off with her wife, <laughs> like s- scootering through oh, yeah, downtown. You were on a date with her wife. <laughs> yes, yes, I was. <laughs> Wasn't there a someone who was stabbing people on a scooter? That was Dan. That was. Yes. <laughs> oh, geez, you know. Do you have that memory? I feel like. Oh, that was that was the scooter gang wars, the birds versus yeah, the limes. The yeah, limes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a Netflix <laughs> miniseries right now. Right. <laughs> they squared limes. off. When's the last time you rode a scooter, Dan? Comic Con four, four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it really stuck. This hobby yeah. of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Say yeah. we could start at the beginning chronologically of what happens in the Comic-Con shows, which is with the cold opens, which were always really fun to work on and also a a lot of lead time, a lot of work. Oh, yeah. And much much higher budget than most of the sort of pre-tapes that we would do. So it can get pretty elaborate. That back in Burbank for the regular show. Yeah, it starts back at our regular studio months ahead of time Mm -hmm. where all of us collectively are going, 
oh crap, Comic Con's coming up. Right, right. What are we what are yeah. we gonna do? What's the movie? And we're we're constantly like looking at what the big, big movies are that are in the zeitgeist. Which ones do we have to do? Because you're kind of having to predict like stocks where it's yeah. like what's gonna yeah. be. Yeah, will will right. people still will this be on the radar in three yeah. months? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And and I would often be the guy who would would like defer to people like Levi and Andre who are much more versed in the Marvel type movies and sci-fi and Todd, movies. Todd was Todd too, nerds. Yeah. We're nerds. And, yeah. You know, dorks. Um, and, <laughs> and, and Schmucks. Dinkuses. Dungeons and Dragon types. Yeah. And I'd be like, types. what about, what about this little weird idea that will never get produced? That's obscure. Like, what about that Downton Abbey movie? Either? Yeah, <laughs> Dan. There's not really a "This Is Us" scene. <laughs> I'd be like, no, you know, right. can it? Can I uh, produce a piece on the history of spandex? You know, something like that. <laughs> but it always kind of worked because there always yeah. was a giant. When you think about it, a Memorial Day like summer blockbuster movie, right? Yeah, and yeah. then we were kind of turning up there a month and a half later, so. There's always something Star Wars, always something superhero-y. Yeah. Yeah. Game of Thrones was pretty huge that whole time, right, for those years? Yeah. Yeah. So so for writers interested in how we produce the show, it was clearly, as we would say, a volume business. Because mm-hmm. we would be producing our own shows every day, in but we'd, ha- we'd have to have one eye on Comic-Con months ahead of time. So right. you, we'd start to generate these approved idea beat sheets that grew into like a tome and we would all mm-hmm. be going there's no way we can do all this right. yeah, they'll never use all this yeah right yeah one of those shows would have like the cast of game of thrones right. taking up two acts of <laughs> right, right right maybe they'll cut sophie turner for my spandex bit yeah right <laughs> Well, one bit that you really had to think about way in advance were um, auditions, which yes, I, I think three of you got, or maybe all four of you worked it was, on. It was me if and you Levi. Want to talk about that, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think Jesse worked. And I joined on one. in, and Jesse yeah. joined the later in too. Ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a bit. I mean, I pitched that we should do a, a audition bit for a movie because the show had done things like that before. I remember the Seinfeld auditions years ago, and I was like, "Well, what movie is it going to be?" In, in Levi's like, oh, it's got to be Wolverine. And then it was like, oh, yes. And you just immediately started picturing all these stars who could be auditioning to be the new Wolverine. Levi, what was it? Was it th- was it his last it's probably Logan. movie? Did he say? Did Hugh Jackman say? He had finished. It was before Logan. I think he had finished the movie called Wolverine. But at some point in the press junket, he had announced he was going to retire, which was great for us. Because then the setup was, you know, Hugh Jackman has just announced he's going to stop playing his iconic role. So the studio's looking for a replacement. We got a hold of the auditions. Like it was, a, yeah. it was the best setup. So the way it would work is we'd go to the segment producers and say, hey, we'd love it if we could have a moment with Bill Hader. We'd Robert love it. De Niro. Yeah. We'd <laughs> love it. Or our favorite from that first one, of course, was Betty White. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. She, you know, I guess the idea was something like, she does the line and it's fine. And we ask her if she wants to do it again. And, and she does Wolverine and then she puts her hand up and we were in post. We're going to have the blades come out of Betty White's hands. And it ended up being really, really great. And I remember we yeah. had an idea of maybe one other line. And right when we asked that, her like Marine assistant, he looked like he just got back from combat. <laughs> he just assistant. came over and he goes, 
I think we got it. <laughs> okay. But luckily, but she jumped in. She jumped in at, at the and said, "No, no, no, we can do more." Because then she had done. Oh, did she really? Okay. She did the extra beat. Yeah, because she ended up ending it on like kind of a confused. You know, she tried the line and I was like, "Sorry, I just have to ask. Why is it? Why are you asking me for it?" And <laughs> oh, she's like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, is it because of these?" And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was great because she came oh, in doing right. nothing yeah. about it, and she got caught up in like ten seconds. She's like, "Go, oh, good, good." It, she was it. awesome. But you'd have to, you know, wrangle these celebrities for months before the shows. And we'd start editing them and we'd looking at them and we would just be like, every time we were like, do we have anything? Do we have anything here? And magically it would come together. And then it would be way too long. Way too long. You'd, yeah. have, to, you'd have to break it up into two bits, but they always went well because we, we always found something. Some of the stuff was written. A lot of it wasn't. And it was just in the room and just props. Yeah. And Jesse <laughs> Levi and I were able to play off of these celebrities. It was so fun because we're, we're being kind of, you know, the people running the audition. Can you please try that again? And, and that they'd be able to play off that and yell at us. So they're all. And sometimes they would just not cooperate very much. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they just wanted like we'd, we'd prepare four pages and they'd be like, nah, I'm just going to go in my own direction. And it's like, yeah. great. Yeah, right. or it would be like they didn't want to do the thing they're known for. Yeah, I know you exactly know, who you're talking that was always, about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, or we'd be afraid to ask them to do the thing they're known for, and so like I would, right. we were right. just afraid to go to Adam Sandler and say, "Can you do the goofy Adam Sandler Can thing?" You do a dabadoo. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. and he, and he, we gave him lines, and he's looking at, it, he's like, "Yeah." Uh, I'm going to try something. Like, hey, da, 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 da. <laughs> okay. I remember in, That's his, a way to in, go. His, uh, in his dressing room, he looked at like four or five pages of stuff we'd worked on being like, we're not just going to hand you the thing you think. And he looked, he was, uh, you know what? I'll just Sandler it up. Yeah. And then he threw it aside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what they want. Thank God uh-huh. he's Sandler. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be weird if he wasn't. But playing off some really funny people who were used yeah. to improv was, very surprising. A, was a blast. Because we would ask people in advance and sometimes here last minute. Like, remember, Jodie Foster was such a long shot. We'd asked. And then on the day, yeah, one of the talent bookers called. They're like, hey, so Jodie uh, was just asking what the thing is she's doing after her spot. Like, oh, oh, she's in? Okay. And we ran in. We had ideas ready. She, and then she was great. And she was yeah. game for everything. She put on the costume. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, what else? What else? Should we I know. Yeah. I was always surprised when really, really famous, like, Oscar winners right, would be right. extremely yeah. easy. And then people who were, like, on The Real Housewives would be mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, Bill H- Bill Hader was one where... That's like having like, a ringer, because you had him do the Star Wars one, right? Yes. So, yeah. And he mm-hmm. just, oh, God. And, like, we just had to get him... To yell at us because he's a f- hilarious yeller. <laughs> yeah. So yes. I wanted like early in the audition for him to scream. We go, he would do the line, and then one of us would butt in and be like, "Hey, Bill, could you uh, try?" It? And he goes, "No notes, no notes." <laughs> That's in the the young Han Solo auditions. Uh-huh. All yeah. on YouTube, folks. Check it out, YouTube. And I remember Andre. We did a lot of live cameos too with big stars and andre mm-hmm. every year i think did the citizenship test mm-hmm. yeah which was yes. a giant crowd favorite yeah those were always fun to put together because it's basically an excuse to have the whole staff come up with tons and tons and tons of very idiotic jokes mm-hmm. right <laughs> Com- comic-con related or, or just kind of nerdtastic yeah. Mm-hmm. We were never allowed to do say the word nerd down there. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was like a director. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, they were worried they're that like, it, we're yeah. celebrating. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, you know what? Uh, the people at Comic-Con were like, we don't think of it. they're not nerds. Please don't do. I think that's <laughs> I think I think in, in this day and age, nerd is a term that 
Yeah. That that nerds are proud to claim. Right. You know, like I think it's yeah, true. If somebody calls like it, a nerd is kind of it's kind of almost meaningless now. It's like it, it's almost it, like a boomer right. boomerism. Yeah. Kind well, because so many people co-opted it. Yeah. 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 And then like non-nerds also yeah. called themselves nerds, and then right. Yeah. Oh, this. I guess I'm just a bit of a granola nerd. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything that you have any interest in. That's right. so much. Right. And, Andre notoriously like was not a go backstage and mix it up with people and go meet people. I have a lot of anxiety yeah. and I, I did not want to ever meet celebrities. I always felt really uncomfortable talking to uh, having to work with um, celebrities and stuff like that. So but yeah, you definitely to... didn't regret going down to meet Mark Hamill. No, right? that was the one you guys, oh, okay. you guys actually forced me to, cause I, I was like, you know, like, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Like, I'm not, I'm even just getting a little teary. I think about it. like, I'm, I, oh. I was like, oh, star Wars is basically my whole childhood. Right. I was so happy. So for I was you. like, I'm not going to meet Mark Hamill. That's ridiculous. I, I, <laughs> I just will, you know, uh, but you guys kind of, you know, like, no, no, you like, you produce the bit, go down there and, and produce the bit and you have to talk to Mark Hamill. So I forced Levi to come with me. <laughs> yeah. You were, you were nice enough. So, uh, and then it turned out that he was like, you know, the nicest uh, guy ever. The and nicest. Super, oh, that's great. super game for whatever. And uh, he knew, he, that was one guy who knew the power he wielded with those fans. Like when he, when right, he came out, right. the level, the tidal wave of adulation that he was greeted with was deafening. And he, and you could tell that he was used to it. He was like, yep. Yeah. This is yeah. What Luke Skywalker gets. I, I don't remember another cameo walk on a Comic-Con getting a bigger... Reception yeah. than him. It no, was just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. It was wild. And, so, and he was so normal, but because we were running through the stuff and he had like his pup with them. So, you know, they were just doing little stuff yeah. in the green room and then he mm -hmm. got pictures with us. He's like, well, do more, do more. And he was just, yeah, oh, like, oh, more nice. self days. Oh, and then just so low key. And then he went out there and just, yeah, destroyed. Uh, it is interesting, wow. though, because Jesse, you were talking about Jodie Foster, like this Oscar winning actress. And it is just how people compose themselves like she was the per type of person who wants to know everyone's name and you are yeah. levi oh, okay i'm jody i'm dan yep we know who you are and then there'd be other <laughs> yeah, people yeah I, that's my favorite i'm yeah. jody yeah and then there'd yeah, be other people name. who they kind of exist above the room like what are we doing mm -hmm. nameless faceless bunch what are we doing <laughs> yeah you know who was a cool cat and in my mind a big star uh and i guess he is a big star don Cheadle. oh yes i was he's thinking star, about him sure i oh, was he cool he was so funny yeah he was yeah. so he made up funny. a song on the he spot suggested a so song. yeah he did one of those things <laughs> where like we would never like they're all doing us a favor right like we would never ask someone to do it you know a made-up song and he's mm -hmm. going through it and he's like and the jokes he's like okay great yeah yeah he goes uh, what would you think if i tried like maybe we did uh like a version of the theme song where I add lyrics to it. We're like, well, of course we would <laughs> never request it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to cheatle it up. Yeah, let's cheatle it up. Exactly. I'll cheatle it up. Yeah. <laughs> Emmy award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Like, Andre, had you ever been to Comic-Con before the show started going? No, I don't think so. I think there was one previous remote we shot with Conan there. In before the years, we went? The years prior. It might have been for, like, a video game mm. conference or something. Mm. Or maybe I'm just mixing up my mm. conference centers. Three. But, uh, yeah, it was probably something like that. That was probably actually in downtown L.A. Then, Yeah, no, I don't think I'd ever... Because I also hate crowds. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. Right. it's pretty right. overwhelming. Yeah. It, it is overwhelming. Yeah. But you guys would sometimes go... Like, I know, Levi, you went down to the Comic-Con floor. We'd usually have a couple passes that we were all mm-hmm. passing around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was it just a shit show? It was overwhelming. It was packed. It's it's funny thinking of that in like this day and age, just shoulder to shoulder. I know. With wow. everyone. Yeah, because yeah, I, I went down initially to kind of scope it out. We were thinking of, you know, we could just do some quick bit with all the right. costumes. And it just didn't, the density of people, you kind of really have to set something up. Right. That's a good segue into to give people a sense of what the setup was like for fans. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to this huge convention that's taking over an entire section of San Diego. It's packed. You have to walk into those conference rooms and, or, you know, Hall H, whatever they call it. A lot of times there were long lines and our show was kind of like a side stage at Coachella where you could go in Mm -hmm. and get tickets, sit down in an air conditioned theater and see a lot of stars from the current movies. Get a pop toy that you could immediately sell. Get a toy (laughs) and, and, and you know, see some of our grade A comedy. Um, but it was a it was a great thing. I think it caught on and it became a really popular destination within Comic Con. And we were at the Spreckles yeah. Theater, this old right. old theater, world famous. I think it was down there a few weeks before Comic Con to see a Mets game, and I was like, "Oh, we were walking by the Spreckles." So I was like, "I wonder who's there," and it was like a two week run for a hypnotist. <laughs> I was like, "All right, all right, you will let me perform here for two weeks, <laughs> two whole weeks." <laughs> You're extending my run for two more weeks. <laughs> you will cheer for Mark Hamill. You will cheer for Mark Hamill. It was really cool. I mean, what you're describing, Dan, is people were so excited to be at our shows there. And that, I mean, for us as a staff was really 
encouraging because oh hell yeah i mean the audience like the laughter you would get for when you got a laugh it was so overwhelming that it really felt like you you held that with you for longer than usual yeah you had to (laughs) and it also took some performing chops like yeah you had to wait on some of these laughs because they were like oh wait that's a two-part wave it's like yeah that's a really good point because a lot all of you were in sketches down there and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, so was it totally different you just said it was doing it in our studio it's that absolute like you know the scene in the movie where you the performer goes out to the stage and in a cheesy hallmark movie (laughs) it was then that i realized my dream came true and they go to credits yeah because it's just walls of people Shot from behind and the lights and shot the from behind yeah. the lights yeah. are coming mm-hmm. down on you yeah. and it's yeah. it's bigger Two than balconies. And, yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah, it was great. And I, I always remember trying to top ourselves each year. Like I, you reminded me, Levi would play Mister Fantastic. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. And the first time he walked on stage and took a selfie with you know a thirty foot long, long arm, arm with Conan, which is great. But then they had to up the ante the following year, right? And you were yeah. way up in the balcony. I think. <laughs> yeah, you sat in the yeah. balcony with, and you're legs stretched all the way like down 80 to feet long and the ground yeah you yeah. were man spreading yes right, right that's right there was a man spreading one in the lower balcony and then i think the last one the third one we did i was in the very top balcony and we did a whole thing too with the arm right i think after that first year because it was so hot it did make all the other years more fun to come up with stuff because we then knew the kind of crowd we were going to be dropping it on. So you're like, yeah. oh, what? Right. And, and I'm sure you guys have given him a shout out on this podcast before, but there's no. there's Chronic. no no limit to the number of shout outs to give Scott Chronic, our yes. head of costume and wardrobe. Absolutely. Who's, yes. who's literally a genius. And he's a guy who would add laughs to your bit yes. through his job. And you're like, oh, you just made my bit funnier. He made everything 20 to 40% funnier. Yes. And be- just better. And visually interesting. Yeah. Um, he chronicled it up. He chronicled it yeah. up. He was the best. And this was a nightmare for him. I mean, this the oh, Comic-Con week yes. was an absolute nightmare for him. So much. And but he would staff. never, he, he, he would really not complain, never. He would just no, be like, I think he took great pride in being so badass about it and being like, yeah, I will mm-hmm. make everything yeah. so awesome. And you can put as much work as you want on my shoulders and I will knock yeah. it all out of the park. Yeah. His whole staff, they were all, yeah, they were quiet, badass killers. Yeah. They I mean, right. he assassins. He would put the pressure on us on those weeks leading up to it. Sometimes we'd have like one final Comic-Con meeting where yeah. all the departments came together <laughs> and he would have a way of like, he kind of knew which bits were on the fence. Yeah. And he'd, mm-hmm. he'd be like, are we really doing, are you really going to yeah. be doing are you this? Really, are we yeah, really yeah, doing yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Full size, stay puffed. Of course, Scott. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'll go ahead, I'll make a human centipede out of Smurfs. If you really <laughs> <will do it. laughs> yeah. I'll make it. I know. I've yeah. done it before and I'll do it again. <laughs> I'll do it in three hours. Wait, did you already have that? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's up in the rafters. We'll go, we'll go grab it. Could one of you walk us through? So, I mean, in addition to the months of prep that we would do up in LA, once we got to San Diego, what was the schedule like for setting up for the shows? Because the shows usually started around Wednesday and we got there on the Sunday before. Yeah. We, we yeah. would roll into town on a Sunday afternoon and then yeah. spend several days 
drinking. <laughs> no, right, and then, yeah, so we get rolling in town on a Sunday, prep, 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 uh, a lot of downtime, a lot of what restaurant should we go to tonight kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then Wednesday, the shows would be taped on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And then we'd well, be back out of town on Sunday again. I, I would just say that the difference between Burbank, where we had a studio up and running, the booth, everything there is set. This felt like we were taking over uh, and excavating an old building from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we put our show on here? So yeah. there'd be yeah. just days, it's an old-fashioned theater. Yeah. days of guys on walkie-talkies and representatives from the theater and representatives from our crew kind of chatting it out. Well, you can't do that. That's a 555 and you're going to need a 987. <laughs> and there was Always. all this it's technical stuff. Yeah. yeah. All this technical stuff that, and we'd be waiting around going, what are we doing? And just so many cables too. just to get the lights up and running took forever. And then the other huge factor, when we finally started to rehearse comedy bits, Picture doing a bit that you've timed out to three minutes. And it's like, okay, that's going to take six minutes here. Just by virtue of like, it's twice as long for the actor to mm-hmm. walk to his mark as it was yeah. in Burbank. Yeah. Everything took twice as long. The actors are now farther away in their dressing room. So the stage managers had to work everything out. When should things be cued? It was a ton of logistics and really, really tough and amazing that we were able to mount those shows as quickly as we did. There was a great thing with the the hotel or the theater being so old because the whole production, it felt like the circus rolled into town. We had all our trucks Mm -hmm. full of stuff. And before they went, props, costumes would check in with us and be like, "Okay, guys, we're about to close the doors on the trucks. Do you really have everything you need? All that stuff. And then we got to the theater and the basement is kind of where they put all the celebs, but then also all the writers who were performing and all the actors coming in. So there wasn't a separate place and like big celebrities who were coming in with their team of five to 10 people. And so you go downstairs and just everyone is together. It felt so much like old timey showbiz, yeah. like vaudeville. People are getting naked right, in front right. of each other. <laughs> yes. There's a picture yeah. when I was doing a Mr. Fantastic, everyone from the first Suicide Squad was there. And I remember I had to just stand back by the door in my <laughs> unitard as Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> and it was like... Yeah, Will Smith and Margot Robbie, like all those guys, they're just feet away. And they're like, everyone's just having fun. It felt like, oh, we're all doing showbiz together. Yeah. Yeah, because they're all out taken out of their comfort zone too, you know, being thrown down to San Diego to. Mm -hmm. I remember being dressed as the clown down there in the basement while (laughs) celebrities were doing. Oh, Butterscotch. Butterscotch. uh, I love Those that Todd wrote that I loved doing, but the the makeup was always the hassle. It was like so suffocating. Yeah, onerous. There are always bigger swings. I mean, anything in Comic-Con had to play to the back of the house, be visual, and we could take some chances on things. So like the Mr. Fantastic. I remember one time I played an astronaut who was going to have an alien chest burster come out uh-huh. of his yep. chest right. in the middle of the bit. And I was laying on an angle. So like, like, like this, and I had to stick my neck out and then a fake body was in front of me. And Eric Allard, the SFX guy was with his hand would push this thing through and all the blood came out, but I had to stand, I mean, lay on this rack on an angle for like 20 minutes before I was brought out there and I'm, I'm suing the show. Yeah. Your neck uh, is still messed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was the writer's room like there in that building? The chairs. 
I, uh, lavish, all I remember lavish, is the chairs. Luxurious, um, <laughs> full of all the amenities you could possibly want. Yeah, yeah. we had huge windows that you could easily slip out of. Oh yes. yeah, the windows were were very. They were encouraging us to to leap to our deaths. I think. Yeah, they, yes. they almost went down to the floor, so you did feel like it was like, "What are you waiting for? Come yeah. this way." Yes. We're waiting the for you on the sidewalk. The call of the void. Is that yes, the, yes. the void yes. wanted us. All I can hear are those fans there were fans everywhere white walls mm-hmm. and tiny folding chairs <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and i'm i'm a i'm oh, a big there, right i'm a big heavy dude and those chairs were i think i broke a couple of them they were so like yeah flimsy it was, i mean it was fun any road show that we've ever done right. it is fun to see the entire staff crammed in mm-hmm. to to one place like we're a political campaign or mm-hmm. something. It looks like right. we're fundraising. Yes. And, you know, we've mentioned a couple times which restaurants we're going to go to. That is a huge part of Comic-Con was mm-hmm. we are going to try to eat our way through San Diego. All and, the Bucatini yeah. in San Diego. <laughs> so my, my all memory, four restaurants. <laughs> my memory of like on the business side where all the producers were, this would be early on, maybe the day of the first show, but you'd see Jordan Schlansky approach our executive producer, Jeff Ross, and, you know, whisper to him. And if you, if you listened, you'd think maybe he's coming in with some big news, like, hey, look, the our lead guest canceled tonight. This is crucial. <laughs> but what he's actually saying is... Uh, Jeff, the pasta tonight is a popperdell uh, with, a, with, a, with a bolognese. Um, I can I can make some other calls if you need. <laughs> it was so high importance. Like, if you went into the writer's room at any moment, there, there would be menus on at least three of the yeah. writer's screens. Something to get to just escape from because every other minute was filled with you had 20 bits mm-hmm. and you know 40 people coming in that do we know about that and then celebrities would be getting changed at times you know you'd have a comedy bit that wasn't so specific so uh, this person's going to play it and then they come in they're not available would it work for this person so you kind of workshop oh, yeah. it there was a lot of that yeah. too yeah way to bring it back to work <laughs> Levi. <laughs> dan was almost at a restaurant in this I, know, I, know. I was trying to pull it i, I was raining it on in. his scooter I have the menu in front of me if you guys want I to go through it. Um, <laughs> well, and we would start doing dress rehearsals eventually, which was kind of when we'd learn that our bits were in the show or cut. Right. And so that would also help because you'd be like, all right, well, actually, everything I had got cut. So now yes. I'm going to literally spend the rest of the week. Give me those menus. There's a, a great pub that's basically connected to the theater <laughs> okay, time, time to go sit there with the crew guys and have a, yeah. have a couple pints yeah sweens what was that oh, i don't think i don't think this was your bit levi was it, it was called hyperdrive who's bit was i was that? gonna ask about hyperdrive oh, no. I, that was gordo and i gordo Michael oh okay gordo. yes it, it can you tell us about it it got cut <laughs> so yeah so it came off the first year when we saw the set, uh, Christopher Gumas, our uh, set designer, he created this amazing set that made it the stage basically look like the interior of a large spaceship. So when we saw that window on the back with a giant screen mm-hmm. that they could put, you know, video clips on, we pitched that Cone is like, well, the great thing about this is we can actually drive the theater. We have warp drive on the theater. So I thought I'd put it into hyperdrive and let's see where we go. <laughs> so then it was just a pitch fast, all the writers put in stuff. And I think the first one was, you know, into an asteroid belt, kind of some more typical stuff. And then a cow bounces off the windshield and he's like, Oh, we got to get out of here, hit hyperdrive again. So everything is just new bits. And we had, I remember one time we landed in a dark room and like, what's going on? And you see 
a door open and we're clearly inside a fridge and Kumail Nanjiani looks down. He's like, whoa. <laughs> and they have a little interaction with Conan. So it's, I think like seven or eight bits. It was fun. It was longer. And <laughs> it's always so much coordinating with, you know, video right. bit and then Conan's kind of trying to improvise, but he's also locked into a track because of the videos, which is always tricky. And you never have enough time to rehearse there. So it always got bumped. It would be scheduled for the first day. We'd get bumped to the second, third, fourth day, then to next year. Right. Unless you try it like, what, <laughs> yeah, three years year. in a row? <laughs> then to 2024. They traveled through time to the next year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and They'll have our, spaceships next year, right? Uh, and our digital effects team who worked their they were asses amazing. off on it. I were know, just, so much special. Steve, such a I think, yeah. Steve Robinson, yeah, Eric. And yeah, you, we had to come back and go, uh, we're saving it for next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Stick around, stay alive for another year. That problem of trying to make an old idea seem fresh to Conan too. And you're right. like, oh, you loved it when we first yeah. did it. Can we please yes. just, yeah. Uh, and he would be like, he'd be like, wait, it's, it's the same thing from last year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, it is like a fine wine. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, it's a good, the 2015 you know. vintage hyperdrive. <laughs> I mean, Conan would be comparing a bit like that, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's conceptual. Right, it's interesting. Right. He'd be comparing it with all the live energy stuff that sure. is yes. just yeah. Yeah. explosive. And it's like, let's just get something else. Right. Okay. If you get a celebrity to play the hyperdrive, then maybe right. yeah. have a better, yeah, yeah, better yeah. chance. Betty White, bring yeah. back Betty White. <laughs> Kamada had pre-Marvel Kamel. That's right. I don't know what more you could want. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> what was the bit, Andre, you did with Chris Parnell? And he's signing books. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's my favorite thing. I, I love was that. in that. Yeah. That was actually, yeah. So that was uh, that was the first year we were there, I think. Right. And then the second year we were there, I was Game able to, I ran into him in the hotel and thanked him again. He was very nice, but uh, mm-hmm. he was just signing copies of his new, of his new novel, which would basically... <laughs> The whole bit was a long excuse to get to him saying winter is coming, but <laughs> but the, the main character of his novels series of novels was named something winter. I forget what the character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was like a steamy book. It, oh, it was right, like right. a long was... way to get to a sex joke, and yeah. had a, huge, a huge laugh at the end, a huge cheer. But it was like, really yeah, funny. that was and that was I, I always like when we like made good use of the space there. So he was like sitting in the audience mm-hmm. at a desk. Yes. With, Cut, you know, stacks of his fake novel. And we had a big, long line of fans leading up to it. Yeah, that was cool. I think I must have borrowed that device of the line because there was a bit I did where we find out uh, Andy has put out a real a hit comic series. Yes. And yeah. and then it, you find out it's called The Red Dingus. And it's, <laughs> it's right. clearly Conan is the main character and has his origin story and everything. Mm, right. It was a lot of fun. I guess that's the other fact we haven't really talked about that not only do we have to set up, rehearse, figure out what was going in the show, but we were then always filming things in San Diego that right. we either just needed the tail end of something we couldn't get in LA mm. or it had to be in San Diego. Like once we got Conan into his superhero costume, we were then having to wrangle him to shoot pre-tapes. And he's of course got a million things going on, mm-hmm. but we did like we would shoot him walking around the streets of San Diego in a superhero costume. So it was always finding ways to fit that in and then edit while we're there. Is Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that, the bits that we would shoot there and then you'd have to immediately go into the editing room and turn them around overnight. There's a trailer. That editing trailer was intense. You had to know how to just like stay out of the way. Like, hey, can we maybe <laughs> yes. hop in and are, is it okay? If- There's mm-hmm. a little apocalypsy now in there. It was just every yeah. mm-hmm. the fall of Saigon was coming. And <laughs> everything was just like, oh my God, I've got 10 minutes yeah. to edit this. Yeah. 
That was out on the street near where fans would kind of hang out because near that's the stage where yeah. door. it's near where the stage door. Right. So sometimes you'd get recognized as, you know, from, from bits. I'm sure, I'm sure Andre did. And I'm sure Levi did as Mr. Fantastic, but. Yeah, I would keep the costume on just so people could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Notice and something about my arms. <laughs> Dragging two 10-foot arms around. Mm-hmm. Pretty dirty, Levi. We did always have to find, you reminded me, Levi, we'd have to find, there was one year, was it your bit where Conan got fitted for the superhero costume, but then we were encouraged to find ways to bring that back, I think, because <laughs> yeah. Conan yes. liked wearing it. <laughs> yeah, well, once he, right. we, I think Sweeney and Gordo and I were there when he first tried on just the muscle suit because right. it was Ironhead Studios, right? Who had made it. And remember they were, it was first just going to be a helmet. And then they, we got talking and they were really collaborative and lovely. And we're like, Oh, we could, we might have time in our schedule to do a, a costume. The muscles take a long time, but we do have a leftover torso from Ben Affleck's. Uh, uh, so they had uh, something left over. And so that's what kind of made it. Yeah. So yeah. Conan just had these insane yeah. muscles. The first time I he put it on. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's torso. So the muscles are built into the suit. <laughs> Count me in. Yeah. What have I been doing? All this year? Yeah. <laughs> I, and you know that, you know, he'd do a monologue and then he rolled the piece where he's being outfitted for this outfit. And when the uh, when the bit ended, he the first time I think he was lowered from the ceiling. So during that, I don't know, six minute or seven minute tape, they timed it. Said they had to rehearse getting him in that suit. It's almost like it reminds. It sounds like an SNL sketch where they have to do those quick changes. They had to get yes. him in the suit, hook him up, and then hoist him up. Right, to the not ceiling. the suit. Just getting the suit on alone, and then all the right. safety harnesses to make right. sure he was, uh, that we didn't start on a debacle (laughs) i know what it was like a parachute jump where you know you forget the parachute it's yeah uh, we only hooked one hook sweeney whenever we were ever like hoisting people up on things that's when i first heard about the foy brothers the foy brothers (laughs) who are the the foy brothers based in vegas and they like own the hoisting business they it's a monopoly (laughs) so weird foy's hoists Yes. Before there was Shell Oil, there were the Foy Brothers. It's like a Will Ferrell movie. They invented the pulley system. <laughs> is that is that right? I mean, they they invented this system no, 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 for the, no, but for for theatrical. I mean, they maybe it must be some specific. It's they so had weird. an acrobatic background, right? They like patented the, the concept or... of height. <laughs> like somehow, it's like if you're gonna put that thing from there yeah. up there. You're going to owe us a lot of money. Guys, uh, they... one, one family owns all of San Diego's gravity, so you got to go through that. They came up with the phrase, look up. The foys, those guys are loaded. How did they do it? No one knows. It makes you feel like you're in showbiz, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah it does. Like learning about the foys. It became a verb. Yeah, well, we'll just foy that up. Right. Okay, <laughs> I'm just picturing those guys charging by inch of how many inches <laughs> off the ground you want something to go they charge by the inch i think it was like that i think it was absolutely like that it's like well if you want them more than eight inches off the ground it's going to cost you yeah. what were the things we had hoisted or foid uh i know there was aquaman spawning that was one of my favorite bits yeah. that was jose arroyo jose arroyo uh, it was yeah. aquaman the year the movie came out and just how how he made it Oh, that was great. Yeah. He released a bunch of eggs. I liked the the bits like that one. And um, that one was a great use of of the, of how much room we had to play with in that giant Mm -hmm. theater. And so was the, um, 
the one that Todd, I think Todd wrote it, where it was like all the Planet of the Apes characters, but yes. with un, unrendered CGI. So it was all, everyone yeah. was just in green screen. Green they ran suits. out of time. Yeah. They didn't have time to do and the that, CGI. That was great because there was like a, a green fake horse and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. tons of actors, tons of actors. Was huge. Were you guys in, any of you in that one? Too? I was one of no. them. But yeah, the energy, because they opened the shot and just the crowd who are already like, you know, orgasming from the show. They're like, you're amongst <laughs> them. And more Amazing. people just kept coming in green suits. And yeah. people are like, you don't know where to look in the best way. Yeah. So funny. And the the Aquaman one, I mean, it sh- you should point out that Jose Arroyo is a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. So that you could picture him sitting there sketching it and going, mm-hmm. is this something? Yes. And like, yes, it is, of course. But he always did famously that sketch. That was always helpful. All he he create he could storyboard them, his own stuff. Storyboard mm-hmm. them before he even pitched them. He sometimes. did the the yeah. the Mad Max, which was the first big cold open we did our first year of Comic-Con. Jose right. had yeah, yeah, like a nice like 12 piece sort of thing. Oh, he, story, he storyboarded that whole He storyboarded that whole cold a whole open. bunch of it just to, for us to kind of workshop but yeah that was i i remember i think levi's idea was oh you know because i was the year year of the yeah, the mad max movie and that's a good that one to talk about open? such yeah, a great let's one. talk about that i'd love to hear about the that origin so huge yeah. i had nothing to do with that that's why i'd love to talk yeah, about it. Exactly. <laughs> yes yes those are the best. <laughs> and that was so my, i had just started writing for the show a few months before that. right so it, that was kind of 2015 2015 mm-hmm. yeah and that came out of jose and i walking for lunch and kind of oh okay you guys came up to with it together i think the first thing i pitched to him because i had just seen it and he hadn't seen it yet Mm. was um conan traveling on the front the way that tom hardy the way that mad max is strapped to the front of the truck i think that's where it started and then it went through a bunch of iterations and then once we had pitched it to conan uh and he had seen it he got excited and then he ended up I think it, it, he pitched playing the, the guitar player with the right. Doof Warrior. Yeah, the, 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 the Doof Warrior? The Is something that what, yeah, Warrior. Yeah. Doof Warrior, yeah. And we, our special effects guy at the time, practical effects, Eric Allard. I remember just going down because our prop room and special effects are together. So they're all going to be involved. And we're just, at that point, it's like, hey, guys, they know the deal too. That might go away. We're like, here's what we're thinking. It's large scale. Right. Ideally, it's this massive truck. We don't know how big we can get. And then in the thing, he's got a flamethrowing guitar. So of course we're assuming if we can just get a guitar made, we can add the flames in post. Right. And right away he stops us. He's like, "Oh no 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 no, <laughs> we can make that. We can make a flamethrower. Just give us some <laughs> give us some time on it." And so yeah. We have four right here. Right. I just got to tune. Yeah. They're, they're not tuned. They're not street yeah. legal. No, he <laughs> went just crazy building this truck right down. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty much an exact replica. Yeah, it was Close Encounters. He first made it out of mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and, he <was> <laughs> and he wouldn't stop. <laughs> well, wasn't, wasn't there like the shot with all the flames coming out of the guitar and everything? Did, wasn't, mm-hmm. Didn't that make the bit like the most expensive single? pre-tape we'd ever ever done or something like that that's what i was and and just building the truck yes and the the guitar cost a fortune and conan himself was wasn't he foid off the front of the (laughs) he was was rigged in like bouncy restraining things because so that's the thing yeah they not only had to make it huge and impressive and actually able to work but it had to be safe enough for us to put the star of the show on there and then even with that we had a closed section of 
like a secondary highway, Mm -hmm. but that flame must have shot 30 feet at its max and it was easily adjustable by Conan. So we were having to watch the power cables on both sides of the highway. They were almost as high as the truck so that he wasn't just setting everything on fire. He could have started. It was, they're like, uh, don't tilt the guitar up too high or you'll start a a brush (laughs) fire. The worst fire since that gender reveal. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> One shot I was obsessed with getting was the the shot where you're coming up because it, it it's just a great shot from the movie where you're coming up behind the truck and everyone's drumming and it, and it was the our band drumming and you come around the side yeah and then pan up and you saw Andy driving the truck and then you go up and you see Conan's a doof warrior it was like that big yeah. reveal shot it was yeah. a cheer and then cheer and then cheer yeah yeah yeah. The, it felt like such a movie shoot. Yeah. That's part where Conan is mm-hmm. gradually lowered down to sort of calmly <laughs> calmly look at the map with I think it was a map, right? Yes. Well, it was like a movie shoot. We had a whole camera truck with one of the the camera at the end of like a 20 foot boom, which is, you know, something we never, ever have. Yes, which Seth, our camera guy, who we knew was good, but he was yeah. always using a handheld camera. And, you know, he was great with lenses. He knew how to make it look cinematic. Yes. But then when they brought in the truck, I remember us saying, we're like, so how's this work best, Seth? Do you want to talk to whoever controls? And he's like, no, I I can control it. And so it was him with a remote control doing long panning shots that moved up. And man, he just mastered it. It was so cool. Talk Mm. about another guy who would elevate everything you did. Because, I mean, he really was like a, you know, uh, what's the term on a movie? Yeah. Like like a cinematographer almost. Exactly. Yeah. Love to get the script early and he'd go through it and have all these great suggestions for shots. And you're like, yes, 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 yes. It's all great. Mm -hmm. And he'd order the equipment he needed to get what you wanted. Like if he knew he needed a new lens or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, it's great working with a guy like that. And then we'd coordinate a B unit if he had to, if he got someone in, he's like, I'm going to cover this. So you're covering this. Right. It's something I think we all learned early, especially with ideas of this scale, is once you have the kernel of the idea, like here's the gist of it, it's this Mad Maxing, you then go around to every department. You almost want to do that before you've nailed too much down because they're all going to make it better in a way that you wouldn't have even considered is possible. Right. And so then you can start incorporating that into what the jokes are and the beats. And yeah. All that. Mm-hmm. You're good about that, Levi. It's like the script should almost be the last thing that you do right. in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Get everyone on board and yeah. start elevating it. Foy. See, Foy just made more money foy. off that comment. <laughs> foy. All right, your podcast contained the word Foy eight times. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to need to know how high up you guys were each sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Multiply eight times the inches of height <laughs> off the ground that you were. That's how many dollars you were. Does anyone want to describe the frenzy over the Funko dolls and oh, how yeah. they became a currency? No. <laughs> that's fine the fun the fun part was figuring out um which characters conan would be uh, yes and that would be handled months in advance tanisha would kind of uh i think it was usually me and was it all of us or i feel i feel like me and todd were kind of well i guess it was probably because we just happened to sit right by her desk yeah i think it was a smaller group of people who had opinions on it yeah (laughs) how many how many of those did they make over the years like four i did four a year so times five years so 20 wow and they did do a set for the final year that we weren't able to do oh right that they released because i remember we pitched them so far in advance we didn't know that wasn't going to happen 
What were they? So the last ones we did, there was a Marty McFly, a mm. Dr. Malcolm, so Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park in the pose on his side, which is a, one of my favorite ones. Yeah. There's a the Chucky, un- shirt. An, yeah. an Aquaman, <laughs> and a Wonder Woman were the final cool. were the final set, yeah. And a Sean Spicer. <laughs> one Sean Spicer, yeah. The Dancing with the Stars, Sean Spicer. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, people would get a free one at the show. But then if you went outside immediately after the taping, there were like cash being exchanged. (laughs) People would be out there and be like, I'll give you 20 bucks for your... For your phone call, yeah, like a hundred, and yeah, would, and they would yeah. just have bags full of them because they'd be paying twenty bucks each to yeah. people, or bartering mm-hmm. with other Funko ones. They're like, I'll give you five mm-hmm. of these kind of Funkos for one of those. Yeah, and then I think there'd be people waiting at the stage door till Conan came out, trying to get him to sign, yeah, the dolls, and it it's such a cynical thing where it's like, yeah. I think he would just tease, like, okay, yep, it's going straight, straight <laughs> to eBay once I sign <laughs> yeah. it yeah. while the the ink's still yeah. wet. Yeah. And then all the writers, we would, yeah, yeah. we would sell our version of Conan's autograph, and we got very good at yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other favorite memories of socializing? I remember yeah. one of the last Comic Cons oh, we man. went to. Todd, I think, had somehow hired a karaoke bus. Yes. It was a friend. It was a a woman who was a friend of his, and yeah, it was a karaoke oh, right. truck. <laughs> And yeah, one, of my favorite, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite memories from that night, our writer's assistant, Kathy Yamamoto, who's, she's awesome and very sweet woman, kind of quiet, but she got up there and is belting out a tune. I just wish I could remember which song it was, but it was the ultimate karaoke death. And I took a picture of it because <laughs> she's singing, she's singing. And then on the screen, it says... 54 instrumental measures. Oh, <laughs> She's like boy. waiting for a couple <laughs> minutes. It's like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like, whatever song it was, there was a huge <laughs> interlude before coming back. But we all got up, up, got up there and we're belting out tunes as we drove so around fun. San Diego. It was a blast. I think, I think the shows were done at that point too. Yeah. That must've been Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. My main social memories are, are, as uh, probably the, Heaviest uh, drinker on the staff. <laughs> I, I think I can probably say that confidently. Uh, but <laughs> it, it would be sitting in that uh, hotel lobby at the Grant Hotel mm-hmm. with whoever happened to be like from our show or from other right. shows or you know yeah the Bob's it, Burgers it, it, people Bob's we'd be there with the Bob's yeah. Burgers writers Tall a lot that, they were fun yeah and just sitting there and drinking till two two in the morning every night or whatever yeah um, sometimes it would spill out into the lobby like I remember right Seth Myers was there hanging out one night mm-hmm. definitely the Bob's Burgers people I'm trying to think who else I remember that hotel lobby had a sign like a commemorative sign about how they didn't y- allow women there until like <laughs> I don't know, the, the, the 60s or something, because of it, it was like that this was where prostitutes would hang out and oh, well, find so. their johns. And so the women just weren't allowed in the lobby. It's just much safer that way. You can't, <laughs> we, we can't have the temptation. Yeah. Something about that lobby makes you want to sell your body. The well, there was, one, there was one year where I think Andy left early and Galit, his assistant, gave us access to his penthouse hotel room. I think that was the first year. (laughs) First year, And we were up there. I mean, oh, man. It was a lot of... There were strangers there. Was there a mini bar? Yeah. 
There was a lot of drinks. I, I remember ordering like a, a case of uh, beers to be brought up to the room and the bill <laughs> and then the bill being something like 300 bucks because charge it to Richter. Of course, one <laughs> bottle of beer is going to be 15 bucks here in a fancy <laughs> hotel. Yeah. The next year it was like, Andy, maybe you should head home on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> right. There was this one time where I won't I won't say the guy's name. He's not he's not famous, but he's quite successful. We were all hanging out in the lobby. It was like you know a bunch of uh, you know a good solid dozen you know of us and then it was like uh oh the bar's closed or whatever and Rowie's like oh well, i got booze in my room let's go to you know Rowie's room so we all piled into the elevator and then this other guy who knew none of us knew just came in the elevator with us and i'm just assuming that he's gonna he's taking the elevator to his room mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. gets out of the elevator with us <laughs> and i'm like oh his, his room must be on the same floor as Rowie's. <laughs> and then he walks down the hallway with us to Rowie's room and then comes into Rowie's room with us. And I'm like, who are you? And then he introduced, he introduced himself. And there's like, oh, you're the guy who created blah, blah, blah. Oh, neat. Or whatever. Fine. I guess you can uh, hang out with us. And then he turned out to be like a real asshole and like a, an, abusive, an abusive drunk. And like, we finally were like, get the fuck out of here. Well, he needed people to abuse. Oh, God. Stragglers. Yeah. So yeah. I won't say his name, yeah. but like that's, that was like a, a weird negative yeah. thing that happened. Yeah. Wow. I didn't want that go the whole thing. Like, then he comes into Roy's room. I was like, oh, I guess he also has a bed in Roy's room. We kind of ushered him out and then it turned out he did have, his room was just down the hall. And then we were making fun of him sure. in Roy's room. And then he, he pops his head back out of his room and shouts, <laughs> I can hear what you're saying about me. Oh my God. <laughs> and, then, and then slams his door again. <laughs> and so then you got louder. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it should be mentioned that Comic-Con was just south of San Diego's Little Italy. <laughs> so that that's why we ended up eating. Just a quick scooters right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a quick scoot. <laughs> and you yeah. are knee deep in Bucatini. And mm. seafood, too. I, I remember when, oh, yeah. the next morning, like, showing up at 10 a.m. to rehearse, and some people on the staff were so, you could tell they were possibly still hammered from the night before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just people who stayed out all night. It's just crazy. Thank you, guys. This was so great. Thanks for all the good stories. This was great. Yeah, thank you, Jesse and Mike. This was really fun and good trip down memory lane, specifically the one that leads to pasta. Bukatini, 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 well, thank you so much to our good friends, Levi McDougal, Dan Cronin, and Andre Dubachet for joining us. It was great to see them and chit-chat with them again. And have a trip to San Diego down memory lane. Yes, several trips to San Diego. Yes, <laughs> one per year. And it's time for our listener question. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's a listener question. It says... Subject line was a Canada question. Hmm. Oh. And here it is. I have a question that I've been curious about for quite a few years. One day I was watching Conan and out on stage walks the guy from a widely broadcast series of cell phone commercials in Canada. It was Levi McDougal. And here's, and they attached one of the ads. How did Levi end up getting on the show from Canada? I presume he started doing those commercials while in Toronto, and it seemed like a surprising jump to go almost immediately to the Conan writing staff. Love the show. Oh, okay, sure. No, love the show. And uh, <laughs> Oh, and, and this person also mentioned their lawyer. But the fact they're a lawyer does, should not negate 
the uh, legitimacy. I'm of this not question. answering any lawyer <laughs> questions. <laughs> and I think that's a great question from a, a gentleman named Spencer. Mm. Thank you, Spencer. Wow. Yes. And so we thought it only made good sense to have Levi himself answer to go said straight question. to the horse's mouth. Hello, Levi. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back from 20 seconds ago. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me back. I'm honored. Well, so this, it's, it feels like this person exposed you as yeah. having some some fame and success in a Canada. A dark past. Uh, yeah, exactly. I tried to keep hidden from everyone, knowing what Conan <laughs> would do if he got a hold of it. <laughs> well, can you tell us the level of, I mean, do these, did these commercials broadcast a lot? I mean, was, are we talking like, can you hear me now? Verizon? Kind of. Yeah. They were with a company called Rogers, which is like AT&T in Canada. And they also own a lot of the sports arenas and I think have their own sports channel. So this, these commercials would play during hockey games all the time. Oh no. And that's a real popular sport in Canada. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like being in a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Every night. Every night. For six months. For 10 years. So you did those for 10 years. Off and on for 10 years. I think we did 23 of them. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. And it started as a one-off and then they're like, that one did all right. We're going to do one more. And the other thing they did in the first spot is I already had gray hair, like a lot of gray hair in my temples. I I went Uh real young. And at one point on the first spot, they're like, hey, can we just try taking those out? So for the next almost 10 years, every time I got a haircut, I would just get it dyed brown again. And that's why I had brown hair when I started at Conan. Right. Because I thought you went, were going gray just from the stress of the job. Definitely part of it. <laughs> <is> def- <laughs> a couple of months. That took care of the top of my head. <laughs> well, that that's how I learned about these commercials. Because you were very modest when you started working at Conan. You didn't really say, hey, get out of the way. Here comes the Rogers guy. <laughs> oh, and, my God. And then, do you remember you, you dropped by the office to explain that you had to go back to Canada for a bit and and that you were going to be dying your hair brown? Oh, you so you still had to do more yes. even after you got the job? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we were just wrapping them up. And then to tie it back into Comic-Con, that's why the first year... Right. For Mr. Fantastic, they were able to just shave the sides of my hair where he has silver streaks on the sides because it was like my roots would have been silver. So it was would have saved the show a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that went right into your pocket. Me too. I hope that too. Wow. So you were secretly going back to Canada for a what sounds like a much more lucrative job. <laughs> well, Definitely. until you find out what Canadian commercials pay and that they pay in Canadian oh. dollars. Um, oh. <laughs> I have a lot of people who assume I'm a millionaire. Sure. Yep. Still going back at the start of the job. And uh... wow. Was that a shock to, to start living in the United States? And I'm guessing all of a sudden you're like, wait, no one's recognizing me down here. Yeah, I was. What the hell? I was livid. Yeah, you. I'm sure you were. Yeah. Or did you enjoy the break? <laughs> it was nice. They were pretty nonstop. And I, I was just talking about this with someone. I was going to a, or coming out of a movie theater here in, in West Hollywood, and this middle-aged couple came up to me. So this is in West Hollywood, and they they go, oh, Hey, are you in? Are you in those Rogers commercials? And they were very nice. And I said, Yeah. Are you guys Canadian? 
And they went, uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how would you know Did that? You like know? they were really thrown and then they just didn't <laughs> assume they were only played in Canada. So it was a, yeah, it was my Canada finder. So you, when you get recognized in the States, it's, Almost exclusively by Canadians, then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much only. Yeah. Canadian. It'd be great. Yeah, some diehard YouTube fans who are into phone commercial, <laughs> international phone commercials. <laughs> um, I swear that's the Rogers guy. But the writer of the question was assumed that you went directly from being in phone commercials to being a writer for Conan, but that's right. not exactly true. Yeah, that's not quite. The timeline. So, like many comics yeah. in Canada, I guess in the states too, um, you do acting gigs and commercial stuff to help pay the bills. And so, I just lucked out getting these kind of ongoing ads. So, I so that was something you had been doing in conjunction with writing and stand up and exactly all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'd been I did some TV writing and then other uh, just kind of Canadian comedy things. Uh-huh. How I got the job in the U.S. The quick version, I had come down. I would come to L.A. and New York every now and then to do stand-up. I did a show at UCB. And then I think it was called See You Next Tuesday. It was after... Oh, yeah, I remember their that. Big, it was after Death Ray. It was after Comedy Death Ray, which was their big kind of weekly mm-hmm. show. So they had two two stand-up shows in a row. I had taped that set and then held on to it for like a year just to, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to burn this material. And then I figured I should have a stand-up clip online. And I put that online and... Dimitri Martin came across it. I don't know how. And he was looking for new writers and he reached out to me. He like got my name from the clip. He was like, are you the guy from the phone? Yeah. He's like, I want to talk to the phone commercial guy. Um, <laughs> no, he had, yeah, he like, had no idea. So he reached out. So I got, wow. I asked me to submit a writing packet. I submitted that, got hired to his show in LA, ended up touring with him for a few years doing standup. And while I was touring, I submitted my writing packet for Conan. Nice. And you know what? I uh, Your writing packet was great. But um, it was also one of your stand-up sets. Maybe it was the same set is that uh, that I saw on YouTube where it kind of sealed the deal. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know if I ever mentioned that, but it was really, hmm. really, really funny. Would have been nice to know, Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> compliments are nice to hear yeah you know he gets plenty of compliments so you didn't hire me because of the phone commercials either i wish i had <laughs> known about them i i wish in looking back all the writers on for conan were hired were just commercial performers <laughs> from so all over <laughs> the world from all, exactly. <laughs> talking bears from the super bowl hey aren't, aren't you the now this is milk guy from sweden <laughs> <laughs> i was in a bunch of kinder commercials in germany uh, and right away when you started at Conan, on T- that was 2015, I think. You, it was kind of you were like this voice on what was going on in Canada, and yes, it was the correspondent from Canada. Yeah, but and it was okay for us to make fun of Canadians because we had Levi. Yeah, I made it safe. Yes, exactly. We were dying to do it for years and had no, we didn't know the way in. Yeah, I was able to sign the release to make it acceptable for the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Levi, you were just in Canada doing some traveling. Do you still get recognized there? Not so much. I think this time once in Toronto. I just had someone. Are they like, you look like the guy from the commercials, but with brown hair. Yeah. Do you put that a brown, brown wig hair. on when you go home? Yeah. Huh? Huh? And I just pointed it out. Yeah. A big prop. It's a cardboard phone. Unnecessary. 
Remember? <laughs> Use your normal phone. Did you have a tagline in the commercials? It was pretty much just, um, it wasn't like the same every time. Like, can you hear me now? It was a lot of muttering. I remember the director would, on our final shot, That's would great. just always be like, give it a Scooby-Doo. And that would always just be me going, uh, 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 <laughs> you know what? You are to the bank. You're really a really good mutterer. I know. Now that I think about it, you in sketches, sometimes you put a little English on it and add a little. That's my secret. The oh mutter my butter. God, that's a secret sauce. <laughs> wow. Everyone's got Did one you thing. you have that before the commercials or you got that I've been doing it my whole life. It comes naturally to <laughs> wow. me. This is easy for me. <laughs> You know, Goodwill Hunting, when he's like on the truck, he's like, this is easy. You guys yes. have to work at it. This comes now. That's what I was like. You Man. were a janitor and you were just muttering behind the scenes of commercial shoots. Yeah, yeah. And then. Until finally somebody <laughs> put you in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. The rest is history. And maybe like the same way the Verizon guy down here came back. Mm. Maybe uh, they'll bring you back in a couple of years. Ooh. Yeah. But for, yeah, for a competing phone Spin company. Yeah. Let's pitch it. Let's get it out there. We got the Rogers guy. Yeah. He works for us. Turncoat. You've worked up some new Scooby-Doo-isms. Yeah. yeah. You'll, <laughs> you'll be ready to go. Yeah. I've been working on my art. I'm not the same. I've evolved. <laughs> and I got some, I've got some new mutters. <laughs> <laughs> In his mutter, mutter bank. <laughs> well, thank you for asking that question. And this will probably just lead to more. We might end up just getting more Levi questions, so. I Great. hope so. Yeah, we'll have to have you back. It's a regular so feature. Just uh-huh. Stay on the Zoom until <laughs> right. Okay, I won't, one. Yeah, I won't log out. <laughs> if you don't mind. It just seems easiest. Yeah, I'm all set up. I'll be right here, guys. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks, Levi. <laughs> Thank you, Levi. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Levi. And if you have a question that you want to ask. Levi related or not. Exactly. Uh, leave us a voicemail at 323-209-5303. Or you can email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. Yeah, and I guess that's it for the show. Nothing left to say, really. No, that's it. I can't it. think of anything. The turtle's still here. Oh, thank God. I mean, he, he can't go anywhere, at least not fast. At least he's got all four legs. That's right. I'm really falling for this turtle. No. <laughs> yeah, what uh, what are you going to say to the turtle when you tuck him into bed tonight, oh, sweetie? What would I say to any turtle? I, I use the royal we, and I say, we love you. Perfect. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, 
we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.